This episode was brought to you by the Sierra Club, which encourages you to get out there and explore, enjoy, and protect the planet. Join the Sierra Club's almost 3 million members and supporters working to power this nation with 100% clean energy at sierraclub.org. And now on to the show. Hello, I'm Marianne Hitt. And I'm Anna Jane Joyner. This is No Place Like Home, a show that gets to the heart of climate change. Today, Anna Jane and I are going to catch up, just the two of us, on the latest climate news and what we can do about it and how badass women are giving us hope in the fight for our climate. All right, let's dive in. Hi, Marianne. How are you doing? Hi, Anna Jane. What a big week. Every week is a big week and yet another one is under our belt. <laughs> I know it was it, it really just is relentless. <laughs> um, but there were definitely some some big happenings this week. And the main one that like, you know, kind of stood out to me in the climate space was the news about President or President Trump officially okaying Keystone XL, which is heartbreaking. It, it's. I feel like every single day these days, there's some new horrible climate rollback or you know announcement, and um, it almost had become. You know, it's sort of. Your, I feel like we're almost getting a little bit um, desensitized to it, and that one really like stood out because you know because I do have this very personal experience working on it. Um, and I bet a lot of our listeners do too. Well, I am I am here to give you a ray of hope if I can, which is, um, you know, some of the, several of the things that have happened so far in the Trump years have been actions that where activism couldn't really make a lot of a difference. So uh, appointing the people in the cabinet and uh, some of the uh, repealing of environmental standards that were put in place in the last six months of Obama's term, like the stream protection rule around coal mining, you know, some of those things were very clearly in the president's authority and we didn't have a lot of recourse as advocates, but that is, that is changing now. And the things that the president is going to try to do are steps where there is a huge role for advocates to play. So with Keystone, the big, next step is it has to still get approved in Nebraska. And uh, there, the pipeline still has to be approved by the state regulators in Nebraska. And there was some news going around that actually when Trump signed the approval for the permit for Keystone, he didn't actually know that it had to be approved still in Nebraska. But that is the case. Uh, it's the... Um, the Nebraska Public Service Commission. And you probably know this, Anna Jane, because, uh, you know, you were one of the hundreds of people that were arrested, uh, years of living dangerously, even filmed it, <laughs> if we want to put a clip of that in the in the show notes, um, uh, opposing the pipeline. And so you probably met some of those folks as, as part of that work, some of those folks, the, the farmers and ranchers and uh, Native American leaders from Nebraska who are dead set against this pipeline coming through their land. Yeah, I did. I got arrested with some of the most amazing grassroots leaders I've ever met. And what was so striking was just the diversity of the voices involved. You know, it was everybody from ranchers to Native American leaders to, you know, ministers. And, um, you know, it was a beautiful example of coming together across lots of different life, you know, backgrounds and experiences and, and fighting for this thing. And, and that community, that coalition very much still 
exist in Nebraska and, you know, with millions of supporters all over the country. So um, I have no doubt that this is going to still be a difficult fight and that we can still win it. Um, and I would love to hear more about what we do now. Like, like how do we how do we play a role? Well, uh, my uh, understanding from the folks on the ground, and we are taking our lead from them in the Sierra Club, is they are calling on folks to send a comment in to the Nebraska Public Service Commission, which is the entity that is going to approve or disapprove the pipeline running through Nebraska. And so we will put a link in the show notes for people who want to send a comment in. You can also go to sierraclub.org and the action alert, I believe, is up there on the front page. So that is one next step that people can take anywhere. Um, And then the other, uh, we're going to try to get this episode up right away, uh, but there is going to be a webinar uh, that is going to be on Monday evening, March 27th at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern. So again, Monday, March 27th, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern with uh, speakers including Jane Klebe, who's one of those Nebraska leaders, uh, Bill McKibben from 350.org, Michael Brune, head of the Sierra Club, uh, Wayne Frederick, who's uh, with the Rosebud Sioux Tribal Council, and they are one of the groups very opposed to this pipeline. So uh, again, March 27th, 8 p.m., they're all going to be on a webinar. Folks can call in and find out what more they can do. And we're going to try to get this episode up so people can hear about that. And and once it's up, if it's recorded, we'll put a a link to that recording in the show notes as well. So um, as you you know, as as many people as were arrested, as were inspired, as were moved around the nation to join in this massive fight that was victorious in stopping the pipeline, uh, there's now a... Uh, as we talked about earlier, you know, the first wave of Trump actions, there wasn't a lot people can do. Now there is a lot people can do. And and so f- folks who are feeling frustrated or or angry or what have you, there is an outlet for you can channel that. And that's joining this resistance because I really, you know, we stopped it once. And I know this movement is very determined to stop it again. And we still can. And one like really hopeful um development that did happen last week <laughs> is the healthcare bill getting stopped. Um, I just thought that, that, you know, I was watching that whole conversation, you know, play out. And it was amazing to me how much it, it, it seems like grassroots pressure did make a difference. Uh, even here in Alabama, we had some, you know, cons- very conservative Congress people who were, uh, you know, coming out against it. Um, And I think it was just, it was, yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on like, you know, that's, it was very striking. And and what does that say about, you know, our ability to, to, to be effective moving forward? Well, and as I mentioned up top, um, a lot of the things that Trump wants to do now are more complicated and, Uh, Some of the big ones I think people are worried about, such as budget cuts to agencies like the EPA or um, tax reform, which might, uh, you know, change subsidies or tax breaks for either clean or dirty energy. Those are complicated. Those are complicated things that have to go through the Congress. And if the Republicans that are supposed to be uh, in lockstep behind Trump's agenda, if they can't get their act together, uh, it's going to be very hard to get complicated things through the Congress. And one of the most complicated things is the budget. And the the process actually of creating the congressional budget is going to start in May. And uh, if they can't 
get together around the healthcare bill, the budget is a lot more complicated. And I think you've already seen when things like cuts to the Great Lakes from EPEPA's program there or EPA cuts to the Chesapeake Bay program or uh, even Mitch McConnell has come out in in objection to getting rid of the Appalachian Regional Commission. Ah, um, and, and then Republicans have come out against those regional EPA cuts I just mentioned, like the Great Lakes. So when it gets real and when it gets specific, all of a sudden you don't have this unified block of the Republicans because things they care about are on the chopping block. So if the health care bill is any indication, uh, I think that the that we do have a fighting chance. And again, if people stay involved and keep making calls and, and ta- meeting with your your elected officials that we do have a fighting chance of stopping the worst of some of the the budget cuts and other things. So even though um, I'm sure everyone out there who is has health care through Obamacare is still on pins and needles, which is very unfortunate. Um, I do think that there is a ray of hope that some of the worst of the worst is not going to get through the Congress. So hang in there, folks. Keep calling. Keep calling. And coming up next, we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics, women and climate change, and a really exciting development that Marianne's been participating in. And that's coming up right after this. Hey, ladies, what's going on? It's your producer, Zach Mack here, calling in from sunny Los Angeles, California. And your dinner party climate fact for today is this. Because of warming and ocean acidification, it is estimated that all of the planet's coral reefs will be gone by the year 2050. Uh, This is according to sciencemagazine.org. This particularly hits home for me because I studied and lived in Australia for six months and got to visit the Great Barrier Reef, which is beautiful. And just the thought that that, as well as all other reefs on the planet, will be gone in 30 years is uh, pretty sad. So, Mary Ann, I saw that the other day you were at an incredibly exciting sounding event, um, and I want to hear all about it. Well, you you would have loved it, Anna Jane. I think our listeners would have loved it, too. It's an event similar to, I think, with the inspiration behind this podcast, which is uh, it was about women's climate leadership. There is this uh, organization called C40, which is a collection of mayors from all around the world who are committed to fighting climate change. And this year, their leader is the mayor of Paris, uh, Anne Hidalgo, an incredible woman who I admire so much. And so as the head of C40, her signature initiative is this thing called Women for Climate. And that's women with the number four climate. And her goal is to elevate the leadership of women in fighting climate change and also um, to kind of mentor and inspire younger women, especially women in public service and elected office, but also people like advocates and and others. So it was, I will say, you know, I have a pretty uh, sort of humble activist existence and mom existence most days. And all of a sudden I found myself with the mayor of sitting next to the mayor of Paris and the mayor of Mexico city and Michael Bloomberg and the head of the Columbia university, uh, you know, climate science, um, uh, organization. So I got to stand up in front of this incredible room of people, including a lot of Columbia university students and talk to them about why I have hope 
that we still have a path forward to turn the corner on climate change. It was an incredible opportunity. Uh, we can play a little clip of the speech, and this is what I came up with. As you heard, since 2010, we have secured the retirement of almost half of the coal-fired power plants in the United States. And we have been instrumental in ushering in the clean energy, wind and solar revolution. And you may hear on the news that it's competition from other energy sources that is driving this shift. And that is part of the story. But the other part of the story is a remarkable, incredibly sophisticated grassroots network a grassroots network that is active everywhere decisions are being made about how we make electricity in America. If this network keeps pushing as hard as it can over the next four years, it alone can get us 60% of the way towards meeting the Paris Climate Agreement and save thousands of lives in the process. Oh my gosh, that's just absolutely inspiring and amazing to, um, I mean, you're certainly one of my mentors and I I think it's really valuable, it's, it's really critical to have women mentors and support systems and networks. Like that's something I've definitely kind of realized as I've gotten, you know, older bit by bit. Um, but I just, I can't, just the energy in that room must have been, overwhelmingly hopeful and inspiring. And yeah, what, what did it feel like to be there? Well, it was remarkable. And one of the things that inspired me most actually was, uh, was Mayor Hidalgo of Paris, who was almost defiant in her determination that even in these very dark political times that we are going to move forward on climate change and women are going to be leading the way. And uh, let's just play also a little clip of, of her remarks because she, you know, she was the mayor when the Paris Climate Agreement was signed. Uh, you know, she lives in a city that is struggling with a lot of air pollution problems that she's trying to solve. And she is very determined to keep moving forward. And uh, it also reminded me of how important our continuing to move forward uh, here in the U.S. is to the rest of the world. Uh, but her remarks really just uh, gave me a lot of inspiration. So let's listen to a little clip of that. My personal message to the future leaders is simple. Believe in your abilities. Believe in your chains because our planet needs you. Answer this call and start building a better world starting today. Our future belongs to us. Women, we need you. You are the real maker of tomorrow. Thank you. Yeah, I'm absolutely blown away by her leadership. I had, actually, I was with you when um, in Paris for the climate conference and had, you know, had the opportunity to see her speak and she just, abs you, know, com you know, completely in um, inspires me 
um, not only, you know, pr practical things like uh, how cities can fight climate change, but just being a really strong woman leader and being a little bit defiant <laughs> in, in moving forward and creating a world that we want to see. Um, but one of the things that she said that really struck me, I was being a total geek and kind of stalking this event on Twitter, stalking the hashtag climate, women for climate <laughs> on Twitter. And this quote popped up that she said, um, my personal message to future generation to future leaders is simple. Believe in your abilities, believe in your chance because our planet needs you. And I don't know, it's a very simple message, but it really struck me. I think particularly because um you know you know as women sometimes it's hard for us to really believe that that we, you know, that we have the talent and skill and opportunity to really make a difference in this world. Um and it was yeah. And I, I think don't know. that's you... even I think that's even more true on the climate change issue because so much of it is has been traditionally the domain of men it's been very technical the auto industry the you know electric sector power plants transmission lines i mean it it they are industries and sectors of our economy that have traditionally been the domain of men and there are incredible women who are emerging in all those areas as leaders but we are breaking through and uh, and i agree i think i think it is as a woman as leader in this field myself, I second guess myself a lot, to be honest. And, and, you know, and lots of times I'm in rooms full of very smart and aggressive men thinking in the back of my mind, what am I doing here? Do I belong in this room? And, and I know intellectually that I do, but I think I do think we second guess our leadership. So I, I agree that really resonated with me, too. Yeah, there's a great, a great um like prayer that I saw that was like, Lord, give me the confidence of a mediocre man. <laughs> just, I think it's true. I think women um, have to really fight to maintain that confidence and to believe in ourselves, but we so do need it. I was, it was funny looking at this event. I was kind of jogged back to my like, you know, like eco feminism classes in college <laughs> and really just thinking about the, you know, the, the narratives and the stories that women tell are so are so important to this conversation you're right a lot of the conversation around climate has been pretty techy pretty like wonky and and um kind of it, it feels very male in a lot of the communication but it's like the way you know even just watching the way that um mayor hidalgo and all of these other incredibly badass women yourself included talking about climate was it was different and it was inspiring than what you normally see um, in this space. And I don't know, did that strike you at all? Like the actual like ways that were being spoken about it? And, and I don't know, it felt like a little bit, it felt refreshing. It was refreshing. And um, it was, it was very no nonsense. I felt like it was sort of, look, this has to be done. You know, people don't have water in, you know, Cape Town, South Africa, you know, mm -hmm. the, that mayor talked about water shortages or people, uh, you know, people's, children are are being threatened by food shortages or the air quality in my city is not healthy and uh and and we are going to figure out how to do something about this and then it was also um i don't know there's just a steely resolve and yet also just a warmth at the same time that from all the speakers that i i just left there feeling like okay we're going to keep moving forward um there's a, i think in my little remarks i said there's a there is a light in the darkness and there's a path forward and it's the leadership of women is showing us the way. And I, I had an inkling of that going into this event and I felt 
much more so uh, leaving it. It was really remarkable. Hmm. Well, I'm so glad you were there and got to give us a window into this really exciting world. As a woman in this space, I just want to say that um, I am so thankful uh, for your mentorship and your leadership. I think you, you know, you have inspired me in my work immensely over the years. And I know that there are, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of other women who, who could tell you the same story. And I'm, yeah, I'm just, I'm really grateful to have you in my life. And I'm, it's so inspiring to see badass women come together and, and defy the odds. <laughs> Anna Jane, thank you so much. I, I, you know, I, you don't know how much that means to me. I will tell you there was a little article that came out after the event uh, with the headline of nine badass women who are leading yeah, uh, the fight that. against climate change. And I was honored to be one of those badass women. But I know in reality, I'm not one of nine badass women. I am one of tens of thousands of badass women. And I hope some of them are listening right now. Um, and I hope you take to heart uh, Mayor Hidalgo's message that your voice matters, your leadership is important, you're not missing anything, you don't need to wait, uh, we need you, and we need what you bring to this because you're bringing something no one else can bring. So uh, join us, badass women. Badass women unite. <laughs> yes. And thanks for Love listening. It. All right, that just about does it for us. Marianne and I want to thank you all so much for listening. This episode was produced by the ingenious Zach Mack, who does wash his clothes on cold, but mostly because he is worried about his clothes and not the planet. Zach! <laughs> Subscribe to us on iTunes, and also please leave us a review on iTunes. This really helps us get the word out. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. We're going to be posting all our episodes and updates and information about upcoming episodes on our Twitter page. Check it out, at n. P-L-H podcast and be sure to follow us there. If you like our show or have any questions, comments, suggestions, or would like to be part of our show by reading a dinner party client fact for an upcoming episode, tweet at us. Again, we're at N-P-L-H podcast. And we're serious about that dinner party climate fact. We'd love for you to read one. Tweet at us. It's super easy. And in the meantime, remember, there's no place like home. <laughs>